What makes a proper villain? Close your eyes and think. Is it the nefarious plans, the unlimited resources, or the downright evil in their minds? On this podcast, we're going to take you through our favorite proper villains, through books, nonfiction, spies, and more. Now sit back, relax, and let's get villainous. Welcome back to Proper Villains. This is Robin Englehart Bagley, and I am leaning hard into my Halloween decorations. This is Caitlin Bagley, and I'm just going to be frank. We're on take two of recording, and now I'm scared because we're talking about haunted houses today, and your printer just turned on by itself and started working. So now I'm I'm, I'm scared. <laughs> I have often said my printer is haunted. And- but now I it's think making it is, itself known. Yeah, it's just it's just cleaning itself. It used to do this in the middle of the night, and then I finally figured out if I went and changed the clock, that um, at least it probably wouldn't do it in the middle of the night. Now it does in the middle of the day. I'm still scared. <laughs> yeah, but that's really not fun to wake up at like 3 a.m. when it's doing that. And my office is across the hall from my bedroom, so I would hear it and be like, "Why is my what's printing in the middle of the night?" But it was just the printer cleaning itself. I want to so, like exercise that printer now. Exercise uh, it. Holy water. <laughs> Burn a little sage around it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, today we're very excited because we are talking about the godmother of horror, Shirley Jackson. And the original haunted house, except maybe your printer lives there too, the haunting of Hill House. Wow. So yeah, we this is this is a kind of reignited uh the horror genre. Uh Shirley Jackson started publishing in the 50s, and this was published in 1959. Yes. And it focuses on a house, Hill House, um, which I've always pictured being in Oregon. And I've always pictured being in Maine because so. we both think of the woods and the hills, but I don't know. I get like the Stephen King setting vibes. Yeah. I just, the, Eleanor's drive there makes me think it's it's probably in the Pacific Northwest, but she was always very vague about her settings. She never really named where places were. Right. And uh, she wrote a lot of short stories, The Lottery probably being the most famous. So many English classes. Such a, such a gruesome story. It is gruesome. It's it's really quite um, unnerving when you read it because you don't expect it to be that dark. No. It's very dark. And Hill House is also dark. It's, it's horror, but not... Bloody. Yeah, it's not bloody. I wouldn't say there's a lot of jump scares, but it's very unnerving it's psychological horror and i've never watched the netflix show based on this because i heard they took a lot of like free reign i think like a family moves into hill house in that one so yeah i've not watched it either but i do love uh, the haunting of hill house and my favorite lines are in here because there isn't like a ghost it's not like hill house is haunted by the ghost of its builder a ghost of someone who lived there hill house was built Evil. evil. Yeah, evil. It said, within, walls continued upright, bricks met neatly, floors were firm, and doors were sensibly shut. Silence lay steadily against the wood, and the stone of Hill House, and whatever walked there, walked alone. And the setting, this is a house that's 80 years old. Yes. Has barely been lived in by anyone. Everyone leaves or dies. Or dies trying to leave. Yeah, dies trying to leave. And it's become very famous. And we have Dr. Montague who wants to investigate it and figure out why. And he's kind of a paranormal researcher, but he is also 
a scientist, though not highly respected. Yeah, he's the laughing stock of academia because he's trying to make ghost hunting analytical. Yeah, he's trying to find the reasons behind it, and he's just not taken very seriously by the academic community. But he's trying to get to the bottom of what is wrong with Hill House, and he decides to live there with some other people that have been identified somehow as experiencing or causing paranormal activity. So he writes to them, invites them to come and spend the time. Most of them don't take him up on the offer. But three do. Well, Eleanor does, Mm -hmm. and Theodora, or Theo does. Luke is a member of the family. You're right. Luke is there as like um, the lawyers wanted a family member to observe and keep the integrity of the house. So they send Luke. Yeah. And Luke is kind of a black sheep in the family. Yeah. Um, his his aunt is actually the owner of Hill House. Luke is sort of a ne'er-do-well kind of kid. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, she's he's just kind of a burden on the family because he won't settle down. You kind of get the idea. He's probably just kind of a playboy. He's yeah. wealthy. And, you know, so he's there for that purpose. Um, Eleanor is really kind of our main focus. Yes. Eleanor is a young woman. She's 32 and she's not had a good life. No, she really hasn't. No. I mean, she's she took care of her invalid mother who finally died uh, for 10 or 11 years. And then she just continued living with her sister and her brother-in-law. Um, they're not very nice to her. Um, her mother was just Abusive. Oh, abusive and just kind of a miserable old bat. And she's really had, she's been extremely sheltered. She's doesn't have a lot of social skills. Uh, she's really never left home. She just stayed and took care of her mother. So she knows a lot about nursing, but really not much about people. Right. And, but she experienced some paranormal activity as a girl, right. a young girl. And Theodora, uh, also, she was um, really good at like some some lab experiment, and like they were like the cards, and she could tell what all the cards were right with their back, you know, without facing them, um, and she could do it over and over and over again. So, so they both show up, and Luke with Doctor Montague, and they settle in to simply stay and experience what the house is going to do. Right. Like, aren't they given journals? Mm -hmm. They're supposed to write down everything um, that happens. They do have, there's a housekeeper and her husband. They do not live on site. No. Um, Because she's like, meals are at this time. I leave at this time. You're on your own until I come back in the morning. And And you won't catch me here after dark. Right. I mean, they say that over and over. I think their last name is Dudley. Um, And she's... Not even a Mrs. Danvers because she is, she doesn't like the house. No. She's scared of the house. Yeah. And she will not be there after dark. But don't disrespect the house. But don't disrespect the house. And, you know, she's, she doesn't want them cooking for themselves or washing dishes or anything. I mean, like this is the schedule. You will follow it. And you know, you will not catch us out, out here after dark. Do not leave the house after dark. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, there's, there's some rules. Yeah. But, you know, at first the house is exceptionally well taken care of. This isn't some rundown manner. It's no. very well taken care of and their rooms are very comfortable. Yes. 
you know, they have rooms, they, they kind of settle into like one small library every night. Uh, Luke and, and the doctor play chess. They drink some wine. It's very comfortable, but stuff gets weird really fast. The doors. Yeah. The doors, no matter if you prop the doors open, even with like heavy ornamental vases, vases, they're closed. Yep. And they bang. Yeah. And then there's lots of sounds that you can't explain. And things get worse as the days go on. Yes. And and they are, um, the house is pretty crafty mm-hmm. and it's pretty good at separating them, even though they're not supposed to be. It's exceptionally talented at doing that. Well, this house is like a maze. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's built very strangely. Like they start, don't they like draw things on the wall to remember like how to get to the dining room? Yeah. Because it's, it's like a maze and um, but nothing they ever do to like point them in the right way lasts. Yeah. It all disappears. So they're forever getting lost. And the person most affected is definitely Eleanor. Eleanor is an empath. Yes. And she is, she starts experiencing a lot of disturbing changes and she's lured into the library one night and everyone starts getting quite worried about Eleanor. But she doesn't see it as being worried because the house is twisting her and she sees everyone turning against her and making fun of her. Right. Because this house found the weakest person mm-hmm. and took her over. Yep. And and I you know, not always just the weakest person, but I just think the most the most open, the most empathetic. Yes. And um then a little bit of a wrench gets thrown into it. Within a few days, the doctor's wife shows up. Right. And, and with their friend or well, it's her friend, Arthur is, is Mrs. Montague's friend. The doctor doesn't seem all that happy to see him. I think Mrs. Montague's got a little friend on the side. That could be, but she is really easy to dislike. Oh yeah. She's not nice. No. And she uh, is a big fan of automatic writing. So when you think about like the Ouija board, that's kind of what she's doing. Oh, right. And she's trying to do all of these experiments. And and she's not academic at all. But like she goes, they've kind of found that they think the nursery is one of the most haunted rooms um, in the house. And like she's going to go spend the night there. And the house gets pretty cranked up when she comes. Doesn't like her either. No. (laughs) But um, I don't think we should say too much more. We don't want to ruin it. It's really a very slim book. But uh, it and it. Things get weird quickly. I mean, it's not really a slow burn. No, it's not. And things are terrifying. I mean, that the one night that's just really bad, I would have been out of there <laughs> the next day, you know, and I would burn that house to the <laughs> ground. Yeah. Set all Oregon on fire. <laughs> you know, yeah, not this year because Oregon's very dry. They've had a lot of fires, but, you know, I would have burned it, you know, decades ago during a really wet year. Yeah. Um, it, it's really a bad house and it ends. I was shocked at the ending. I was just like, Oh my God, what, what just happened? So yep. Same. Yeah, it's, it's a great book. Uh, perfect for this time of year. And there's, you know, Shirley Jackson's just, she was really, uh, a fantastic writer and, and, and kept her stuff really short, which I also think is interesting. Yeah. Well, I guess, you know, why use a thousand words when a hundred will do? Yeah, true. True. And it is your week for the deep dive, I believe. It is. It is. So the book I'm going to talk about very briefly, we're going to stay with Shirley Jackson and uh, we have always lived in the castle. The cover is, 
Okay, the cover looks like a Tim Burton movie. It kind of does, yeah. And and it is such a creepy book. And it is a family. Again, and, and this one I always picture, even though Shirley Jackson was an American writer, this one really feels to me like it's set in England. But again, no names, no regions. It's just, you know, they're on the outskirts of a village. Uh, they were a, a wealthy family that, you know, has kind of... Uh, Fallen on hard times. Uh, they have this very gothic looking overgrown house. And our main character is Mary Catherine Blackwood, or Mary Cat, as she is called. Her older sister is Constance. And they also have an uncle Julian. The rest of the family is dead. They're dead because they died of arsenic poisoning. Oh, so now we're getting into like serial killer stuff. So, eh, not really. I hear uh, arsenic and I hear like the <laughs> widows who was like, oh, I've had four husbands and they've all just, I've been with them till the end, but they oh. all just keep dying on me. It's like, yeah, you've slipped arson in there too, yeah. you horrible it's, human. <laughs> it's it's not arsenic and old lace. But it is, and, and you start seeing, um, you don't find out exactly, and I'm not going to ruin it, about how the poisoning came about. But because of the arsenic murders, the family are outcasts. They are not really accepted by the village. And Constance, uh, who is the older sister and does, you know, kind of runs the household, very, very sweet, sweet young woman. She can't bear to go into town. So Mary Cat goes in and does all of the shopping. She's the one that takes care of all the shopping. She goes into the village once a week and she knows everyone talks about them. Um, and, and this is true. This isn't in her imagination. They are not liked by the village and things kind of start, you know, they're just kind of ticking along. It's everything's okay. And then a, a distant cousin shows up because the family, you know, I don't know that they have as much money that they used to have, but they still have some, I mean, they're comfortable. The, the these young women will never have to work or anything like that because they do have money. And then they have a cousin that shows up, and that's what the cousin is there for. And at first, he's like, "Oh, I'm just checking on you," but you quickly find out he's just a gold digger. So things really start to come to a head after that, and uh, uh, several terrible things happen. And so it's it's really. This one's a bit more of a slow burn because it takes a while to figure out the real story behind the poisonings. Ooh. And there's some really tense stuff that the tensions with the village build. It's it's so masterfully done and it is so creepy, but there is absolutely there's like there's like no body horror at all. I mean, this is just but it is a deeply creepy, disturbing book. Again, very short. So I, I recommend if you're looking for some quick books, um, but that really have the spooky vibes, definitely check out We Have Always Lived in the Castle and The have, Haunting of Hill House. I might have to borrow that because it looks really good. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's great. It is great. So, so. <laughs> well, what are you currently reading? I am currently reading Who Killed These Girls by Beverly Lowry. And for anyone that's big into true crime, you've probably heard of this case. Four teenage girls were brutally murdered in Austin, Texas. They were shot and burned in a, I can't believe it's yogurt shop. And 
It's so commonly many. known as the yogurt shop murders. Yep. And the title, Who Killed These Girls, came mm -hmm. from the billboard mm -hmm. because they put these girls' most recent pictures um, up on a billboard in bright red letters at the bottom, Who Killed These Girls, with the tip line. And this, two men were convicted, and then DNA came around, and they were acquitted. And this case has never been solved. And this is a probably the most in-depth book covering the investigation and the appeals that there is. When when did the murders take place? Um, oh, I'd have to look Because I think I've heard of this, but I always thought it was the yoga shop murders, not the yogurt shop murders. Nope, it's yogurt. Oh. And you were 1991. Oh, I was still in high school. Yes, this was right before Christmas in 1991. This oh, was okay. early December. Oh, okay. And this is, and she goes into a lot of how, well, that had to be, you know, black men on crack mm -hmm. and how... Um, Austin was like, well, we buried our innocence. It's like, eh, that's going a little far there. Yeah. Like the innocence of these girls. Cause the two seniors were mm -hmm. FFA. They were raising mm -hmm. hogs for the show. Mm -hmm. And then one of those girls is little sister and her friend. So it's mm -hmm. two seniors. And then I believe they were both middle schoolers. One might've been a middle schooler and a mm -hmm. freshman. Yeah. And of course, this was, you know, the 90s. So, of course, the first thing, because it's a horrific murder. Oh, it had to be, you know, black people on crack. That's, of course, the first thing that people jump to. Yes. And this has never been solved, yeah. which is so, one of the big things is mm -hmm. a lot of people think it never will. Yeah, it may not. I mean, that was it's it's been a long time ago. I mean, that's 30 years. Yes. And so. a lot there's at least one family mm -hmm. of the girls mm -hmm. who believes that the men who were acquitted did it. Mm -hmm. And they asked this author, because she also has been featured on a podcast I listened mm -hmm. to, um, like, well, do you think they did it? And she said, well, I'm impartial. I'm a journalist first, because mm -hmm. she was. She was a journalist mm -hmm. who decided to write a book. Mm -hmm. um, she said, but based on all the evidence, I don't think it was them. And they stopped speaking to her. Really? Mm -hmm. Wow. Just because she said, because they were, they were acquitted through DNA. Yes, because at least one of the girls was raped. So, you know, that's, yeah, it, it may never be solved at this point, which is really terrible for the families. Right. right? And but, you know, yeah, the nineties were not, were not great um, for, you know, well, really the criminal justice system is not great. You know, there's a lot of people who, you know, well, it looked like it could have been you or you fit the profile of who we expect to do this. So we're mm -hmm. going to, we're going to arrest you and, you know. Well, it also looked like later. the main person who confessed, mm -hmm. it was a coarse confession because he might not have been fully like cognitive. Mm. It was a mess. They yeah. wanted to say it was solved. Mm -hmm. So they found someone to pin it on. Pin it on. Yeah. Mm. But Interesting. it's a fascinating book. It's very well written. The chapters are very short because she is chunking it up. She did a chapter on the girls, and then she goes into each chunk of the investigation. She's oh, okay. very good at chunking up the chapters. Interesting. Interesting. So, yeah. And I am reading, uh, well, I just finished The Mother-in-Law by Sally Hepworth, and it's uh, widely regarded as possibly her best book. She has a new one out this year uh, that I don't remember the title of. This one is about, I don't know, three years old, I think. Uh, so it's probably available at the library. Uh, it's really, um, it's a story about family. It is 
it's not a thriller. I, it's kind of billed as a thriller. It's not as a domestic suspense, but is about the mother-in-law. She's it, the book opens with this family being told, you know, your mother, you know, in the case of the, the husband or your mother-in-law uh, has been found dead. It looks like a suicide. And then things kind of start happening where it's like, well, maybe it wasn't a suicide. And she had been uh, told everyone she had breast cancer and turns out she did not have breast cancer. So the plot kind of thickens. It is from both timelines. It is from Lucy, who is the daughter-in-law, and Diana, her mother-in-law. It is told from their two perspectives in, in two timelines. Present, of course, is all Lucy because she is alive. And the past is split up between Lucy and Diana, the mother-in-law. And you see how their relationship starts. And then you see how it evolves over the years. Sorry about the dinging. Um, my computer is dinging. So it's it's very well done. And there's a lot of suspense. And really, you don't know what happened up until the end. Ooh. And the character development, which is what I think makes it not a thriller, is that the character development is so good. The arc of their um, their development in the story is is outstanding. So yeah, it was a it was a really good book. I highly recommend this. So yeah, that was the mother in law by Sally Hepworth. All right, I think that's a wrap for this week. I think so. So please um, subscribe in uh, wherever you get your podcasts. You can also go rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It does help other people find us. And if you know someone that you you know is bookish and likes like mysteries and thrillers, please tell them about our podcast because you telling others uh, is a great way for us to find new listeners. We'll be back in two weeks. You can follow us on Instagram and on Facebook at Proper Villains Books. And do we now have an email? We do. We have propervillainsbooks at gmail.com. We'll see you in two weeks with more villainy and all the spookies.